Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. All right, Romans chapter 12. We're going to read verse 1 through verse 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself highly, uh, more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Father, we do thank you for allowing us to be here, and we do ask that you guide everything that's said and done now, that it would bring glory and praise to your name, that you would get a hold of our hearts, and that we wouldn't just hear your word, but that we would accept it, apply it to our lives, and live it. We ask that you put a hedge around us, bind anything that would hinder us from receiving your truth now, in Jesus' precious name, amen. So we've probably heard these verses many times over the years. Okay? And I'm not going to go through verse 1. I'm not even going to go through verse 3. We want to look at verse 2 today because I want to look at this subject of uh, transforming, uh, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a lot of preaching that comes out and we say, yeah, you've got to be transformed by renewing your mind and move on. But what does it mean to be transformed? How do you transform? How do you renew the thinking in your mind. How do you do that? Well, we're going to try and look at that today and try to understand these verses the way God gave them to us that we might apply it to our lives. First, we need to understand it tells us uh, something that we're not supposed to do, not to be conformed to the world. Okay. So what does that mean? First part is we've got to look at what does conform mean. It's not like we think of it today. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to listen to the world. Conformed in the Greek that's here has a deeper uh, implication. Conformed means I'm made over completely in such a way that I'm just like them. That you couldn't tell the difference. The world here is talking about those who are unsaved, this current system, the way the world thinks, the way it acts. Oftentimes, we can get, uh, uh, we don't really study into the meaning of the words enough. And we think what this means, don't be conformed to the world, is uh, don't dress the way the world does. Don't watch the things the world watches. Don't, don't listen to the things the world does. And that is part of it. But it's very easy to look us, to, for us to look on the outside things and say that's conformity to the world. But I can tell you tonight, if we have individuals who've never accepted Christ as their Savior... And they come and they wear a suit every day. Maybe women wear dresses all the time. Always spoke right, never was mean, always carried a big Bible. Never drank alcohol, never went to a movie, never went to a baseball game. Yeah, you could probably not do that anyway. They're boring. Or we could give a whole list of things and they never did that. They still wouldn't be going to heaven. Are there a group of people that are like that today? Yeah, they're called Jehovah Witnesses. They're called Mormons. They're very focused on the exterior and how you appear to everyone. 
Now, don't get me wrong. That stuff is important, but it comes later. This conforming in the Greek has to do with the internal. You've been transformed all the way from the inside out. That's why we have to be transformed later when we get to that word. It's going to talk about all the way to your core, the way you think, the way you believe, is manifested in the exteriors. Why do I listen to the music I listen to? Because of what's in here. Why do I dress the way I dress? Because of what's in here. Why do I go to the places I go? Because what's inside. And whatever is inside will manifest itself outward. And it is very easy for us to make the mistake that what makes you spiritual, what makes you godly, what makes you conform into the image of God is all these exterior things. We have to be transformed internally first and then they will manifest themselves out. I've mentioned this, I don't remember if it was in one of these services or in my, my class on Sunday. Uh, when I was in England, when we first started going to our Baptist church, I was there for about a year or so, and there was some, uh, some of the men in the church, we had a lot of men activities. A lot of men. We, we did something at least twice a, a month with the men. Uh, actually, more than that. But there was a couple of the older men that had been around, one of the deacons that, and they came to me and they said, you know, you shouldn't listen to the music you're listening to. And I was listening to Christian music, I thought. Of course, it was uh, Christian rock. I was looking at Petra and them, you know. Ah, and so I went to the pastor and I said, uh, this is Christian music, can I listen to this? He goes, I don't know. I said, what kind of music should I listen to as a Christian? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, what do you listen to? What? He goes, I don't know. I said, Pastor, you're not helping me here. You're supposed to be the pastor. You should know what is, if there's right music and wrong music, you should know and you should be able to tell me. His answer was, if I tell you, then the only reason you listen to it is because I said so. And then you'll leave here, go to, back to the stage, to another church, and some pastor will get up there and he'll say something different, and then you'll switch to what he says. And since you're in the military, you'll go to move again, you go to another church, they'll say something different, and you'll keep moving based on whatever this man told you. If you want to really honor God and know what type of music to listen to, read the Word of God and pray and ask God, Lord, show me. What would you have me listen to to bring glory to you? Because you're not going to get the answer in one prayer, but take some time and seriously look at it. And when God reveals to you, he'll convict your heart of it. No matter what anybody else ever says, it will not change your position. Because your position is based on what God revealed to you through his word. Not through what somebody with clever words said to you on a podium. And that's true. And that's what this is talking about here. You see, if we can work on ourselves in the heart and our relationship to God, then it manifests itself outward. But oftentimes, we're really quick. Well, you got saved. You better go get a haircut. Oh, you better go. And we have all these external things. And those are not what's important. What's important is the heart. Christ is interested in a relationship with you, not that you dress and act just a certain way. Because you could act and dress that way all you want and still not be going to heaven. That's why Jesus, one day, he, he's talking to the disciples. And he says, one day, there are going to be those that come and I'll be separating. And I'll say, uh, depart from me and move you to the left here. And they'll go, oh, oh, Lord, Lord. 
Lord, Lord, uh, uh, we've preached in your name. I've cast out demons in your name. I've done many great works in your name. Well, that sounds like a good Christian, right? Preaches in his name, casting out demons. Anybody here cast out a demon? Yeah. I asked better Eli to leave my house once. Does that count? No? Okay. Uh, casting out demons, you know, doing all these great works. You see, for the man, for us, we look at what people are doing and decide what the relationship is to Christ and how spiritual they are. Jesus' answer to those were, depart from me, for I knew you not. He didn't know them. That means they never built a personal relationship with Christ. They built the relationship on all these externals. Look what I do. And what was their defense? When he said, uh, depart over here, you're, going, you're not going into heaven. If they would have felt down, but I accepted you as my Savior. I trusted you for forgiveness of my sins. That's not what they said. They pointed to all the exterior things that they had been doing. Preaching, casting out demons, many works. And if we're not careful, that's the way we are today. And see, the world uh, here, that's what they want. They want us to be caught up on the exterior, things that are superficial, and forget things that are substantive, those that are important. If you would, it's kind of like going to dinner. If we're going out to dinner, and you say, yeah, I'm going to take you to dinner, and then you give me a plate of mashed potatoes, I'm not really that happy. I want to know where the steak is. Right? If we're going out, it got to be steak. I don't mind some mashed potatoes or a baked potato, but I'm looking for the steak. So we're not to be conformed to the world, and that means part of that confirmation is, is in their, would be in their philosophy, the way they think about things, the, the way they analyze things, where they start from a beginning position on what this means and what I hold true. You can look around the, the way the world evaluates everything today. It's very emotional. The world today evaluates on everything and emotions. Just go watch your news tonight. Just go watch someone talking, and what they'll be talking about is emotions, emotions, emotions. Uh, this last week, I was watching the testimony. I can't remember the lady's name. She's an expert in um, studying uh, violence with youth and their death. And before Congress and that, they were looking at this gun bill that they want to pass. And she got up and said, uh, changing the laws on guns is not the issue. These children that keep acting out and shooting up schools is because there's something wrong with them. That's all, you can look at the gun control, but that's only a small part. And she gave these statistics that uh, in the last year, there was only 100 students that died by guns. But yet, there was over, uh, I think it was 1,000 or 10,000 who died in school, who committed suicide because of the pressures they were having in school. And she goes, we need to look and see why are these kids killing themselves? Why are they getting so despair that they have no choice? They feel they have to take a gun or go get a weapon and do something. Let's take a step back and see what that is. And her premise was, is because there's a breakdown in society and our norms and our supports. There is no core values anymore. It's do whatever you want. Be whatever you feel like. Just go ahead. And we've no longer given structure. Well, that's the way the world wants it. 
They don't want structure. They want you just to find by emotion and by whatever feels good. And the world also becomes very concerned about, uh, I don't want to offend anybody. At my office, they don't do this anymore. When some of these uh, men and women that work with me started, they would always say, well, I don't want to offend anybody. You know, this is just my opinion. When they would start out with, it's just my opinion, then I don't want to hear it. Shut up. And they'd look at me, and they said, but, but I, you asked me to look into this. Well, if you're going to give me some facts, then I'll listen to you. If it's just your opinion, I don't care. I'm looking at security for satellite systems. How are we going to secure this? Well, I, I was just kind of, another way to start, I was just feeling, I don't care what you were feeling, I need to know facts. Will this work or won't it work? <laughs> but society is very much on, we want you to follow your feelings. Afraid to offend anybody. You know, I don't want to say anything on this because, you know, this person might not like it or they might not like me anymore. Well, what does that have to do with anything? As a Christian, we need to be doing what's right and preaching the gospel no matter what. We should be living in a way. So the word here, we, we kind of touched on already, transformed, it's also translated <clears throat> as transfigured. The same Greek word, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it, the same Greek word you find here, we find again in Mark, and that and it talks about being transfigured, talking about Christ. It means to be totally changed. You and I are not to be conformed to the world. That means from the inside out, not accepting their philosophy, not accepting their, their maxims, not you know, their, their uh, principles. But we need to be transformed. That means changed completely from inside to out to something new, something different, to be transfigured. Now, one of the challenges with this is it's very easy oftentimes, like I mentioned at the beginning, that we have a list of things that I should be doing. If I've been changed, I should be doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I've heard people talk like that. Well, if they were a good Christian, they wouldn't... Well, if they really got saved, they... But that's not the point of transfiguration. You and I are to be transformed into the image of Christ. Let's try it again. You and I are supposed to be transformed into the image of... That's what told us in Romans, right? Only well, a few of you might have been in my class when we went through the book of Romans. That's the key. You and I are to be transformed. We're, we're, he's molding us to be like Christ. So what does that mean if I'm going to be transformed? I'm going to change from my old way into the new way. And there's many verses that talk about it. You are a new creature. Right? The old things are put away. There's new. Why? Because we've been transformed. I'm no longer that person. I'm turning into somebody new, which is like Christ. I'm to be transformed from my conformity to the way the world lives for itself and transformed into the image of Christ who lives for others and for God. So now we understand that we're, what it means to be conformed, what it's like to be in the world, that we're to be transformed into the image of Christ. That's our goal. My goal as a Christian, your goal, when you're not conforming to the world, be being transferred, is not things that I don't do. I know that doesn't sound too correct for a Baptist, right? But it means I'm transformed into trying to be what Christ is. Who he is, how he acts. 
That's why we're told later, uh, having this mind, which was in Christ. Why do I need to have the mind in Christ? Because I'm trying to be changed into his image, to be more like him. So we're told the way we can accomplish that is by the renewing of your mind. This is not a mere outward conformity. The mind is internal. You can't see my mind. And regardless of what Laura says, it is bigger than this. Okay. It is bigger. Not by much, but it is bigger. Nah, she's never said anything mean like that. Except a rust. But it's an inward spiritual transformation that then manifests itself out to my whole life and the way I live. I'm changed from the inside out. That's what Paul's talking about when he says work out your own salvation. It doesn't mean work out how you're going to get saved. It means you've been saved, you've been changed inside. Now that should start working itself. It should start uh, manifesting, start uh, permeating out of my life in the way I look, the way I act, the way I dress. Why? Because what's changed in here should start moving outward. And Proverbs is said this way, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As you think in here at the core of who you are, that's how you really act. We have many people, politicians, actors and stuff, that they can get up and they can act, you know, I really care about you. You're really important to me. Two minutes later, like, oh, who are you? I remember talking one time to an individual that was uh, working with my, one of my daughters. And they were like, oh, I love her so much. We care about her. You know, you know, she's very important to us. Really? Yeah. What's her favorite color? Well, I don't know. What kind of ice cream she likes? I don't know. What's her favorite cartoon? I don't know. But... I forgot to mention they said that they knew her very well. And I know her very well. I know what her... And they're trying, really? But you don't know any of that stuff, but you know her really well. And so it is, that's the way oftentimes you and I, we, we treat Christ. I know Christ. I love you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, I want to serve you. And then we don't know anything about him. What are some things that God hates? Does anybody know? You know, do you know that uh, in Psalms there's a list? Uh, six things does God hate, uh, not, not like seven, yea, he hates. And there's a list. What are things God loves? You see, if we're going to be changed, if we're going to have this, it has to be by the renewing of our mind. And the way we renew our mind is through the washing of the word of God. God has to become the center. His word has to become the center of everything I do and say. One of the principles in uh, time management, I used to teach a course on it. Uh, I, I just lost it. Franklin. Remember the Franklin planners? So there was a whole company that was made out of uh, Franklin planners, and they had all this thing, and they had all this training on how to manage time. And the key was to go back and determine what are your core values. These are the things that I hold to no matter what. For a Christian, one of those core values would be that Christ is the only way to heaven. That two, all people must accept Christ to be saved. A different thing might be all life is given by God 
and is valuable and important. If I just took those three things, that, and decisions that I start to make, if I go back and see, does that support my core value? You see, when I start to make decisions, how do I make decisions? Well, today, we're conformed more to the world, and I make my decisions by weighing the, what, the pros and the cons. I look at the benefits. Well, what's this going to react? How much money am I going to make, or how much time is it going to take? How mad will my wife be at me if I do this? I won't tell her about the new speedboat. If you can afford a speedboat, let me know. I'll go for a ride with you. But if we're really being transformed, the core of what we make our decisions is going to be based on what does the Word of God say? Like I started off, what kind of music should I listen to? Well, what does the Word of God say? You start looking up verses that talk about music, you're going to find several. Then we can determine, well, what, what should I go to? Should I, sh can I go camping? Well, what does the Word of God say? Well, it doesn't say you can't go camping. No, but you might want to look to see, does it align with your core value? I'm going camping and not to church on Sunday. Well, maybe that's not a good thing. Based on what? Based on the word of God, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 27. Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together, even more so as the day approaches. You see, if we, if we change the way we look at things and we go to building a foundation inside of ourselves that's on the word of God, then as we set goals for our life, as I want that job or this job, I want to marry that person or that person, uh, am I going to take, uh, have my house over there? Am I going to live in an apartment? All of those things can be wrapped back down to, does it support your core values? And I can just give you an example. If you're going to marry someone who doesn't even know Christ as their Savior, and you do, you're in for trouble. You can come up, but they're so nice, they have a good job, they get along with everybody. Yeah, but what does the Bible say is the foundation for marriage? Not to be unequally yoked, right? That we're both saved. But how would I know that unless I'm into the word of God and I have that as my foundation on what I'm building on? If I have that as one of my core values so that now when I go to look, I can go back to that. Should I drink alcohol? Uh, Baptists will tell you, yeah, you shouldn't drink. And they'll list off a bunch of verses. But for you and me to make that decision, we need to work on the Word of God, ask Him, should I drink? And then when we get back, if that's our core value, I'm going to do what God wants, not what I want. We get there, we're going to find out, you know, I can't be very much like Christ if I'm like the world getting drunk all night. But is that based because some preacher said, oh, you shouldn't drink? No, it's based on what the Word of God revealed to you. Our problem today, or I should say our greatest challenge is that most Christians today do not study the Word of God. Now, you don't need to raise your hand. How many of you spent five hours studying the Word of God? Not reading, just studying it, trying to figure out what do these words mean? Anybody do that this week? I'll give you a whole week. You see, I, and I asked you not to raise your hand, so that's fine. The, the problem is, is that we don't study, but we say we live by the Word of God. 
One of the reasons I'm a Baptist is because of the Baptist distinctives. And the very first Baptist distinctive is the Word of God is complete. And it is, it is the sole authority. The sole authority. There's not another authority. There's not a secondary authority or a third. It is the sole authority for all manners of faith and practice. What does that mean? That means that we take what the Bible says as the authority for how I should live my life and how I should worship my God. It's not what a man says, not what pastor says, it's not what some uh, great hero of the faith that we like says. It was what does the word of God say? And if you remember Pastor Wilkerson used to say it a lot of times, if I say something and the, uh, the word of God contradicts it, I'm wrong again. And that's the way we should be living. You and I, as Christians, especially as Baptists, we, as part of our distinctive, the word of God is the sole authority. Well, how can it be the sole authority in my life if I don't even know what it says? When I first joined the military, one of the ways I got promoted quickly is I knew what the reg said. It was surprising to me. I couldn't understand it. I'm supposed to be doing these things. I was a cop in the military for many years, and we're, we're doing different things. And oh, you can't? Yeah, you can. Just like what? Yeah. To the point that I even had the commander or something calling me. Hey, George, what does it say about this? Now, why is this major calling me as a, a two striper asking me? Hey, George, uh, what's the Air Force say about this? Because he didn't know the regs. I did. When I got. Uh, I had three stipes. I was a senior airman in that. I was the trainer for our, our, uh, our flight. That's like a shift. We had about 28 people maybe, 25, whatever it might come on to. And I put them through the training. We had a pass rate of 100%. Every one of our troops that were there passed their quality eval. Now, for us as in, in the military and the cops, we get tested every year on our job knowledge. And for cops, we had to know the Constitution. We had to know what the, uh, uh, what's called the UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which is like that big. That's the laws. And then we had to know Air Force procedures and, and regulations. And we had a, a training area, and it had a bookcase that was yeah, about as big as this stage, about that long, just full of books. And each one was a binder. And they broke them down into categories, A, B, C, D, E, all the way down to, uh, I think we had up to Q, if I remember right. And you go to A, there's A1, A2, A3, all the way up to 20 usually. And they were for different areas. So if we were going to do something like apprehension, how do you apprehend something? There's a book on it. You pull it out, it tells you everything you're supposed to know. I used to make my guys go down and go through it. There's a test at the end of each one of those. I took all those tests, typed all the questions into a, a computer. Back then, we didn't have the big, fast computers today. Put it all in there, and then I'd make my guys take tests every week. And I'd go through each binder, make sure they knew what they were doing. How about you and your job? Do you know how to do your job wherever you work? Do you know what to do, how to do it? Well, how did you learn it? Just kind of guess as you go along? Maybe. I've been a few places where I think that's what they're doing. 
But as Christians, if we're not going to be conformed to the world and we're going to be transformed and conformed to Christ and to his image, then we have to have something that bases what that, what that is. And that's the word of God. I have to get into the word of God so I know who Christ really is, what he's like. You can ask me. You can go ask a Muslim tonight. Do you know who Jesus is? Yeah, that's what those uh, heretics say. Those heathens, you know, they call him the son of God, but that's not true. They know that. That's not much more than what most Christians know. Do you know his attributes? Do you know the character of God? Do you know the names of God? You see, there's so much about who Christ is in the word of God. We need to know who he is so that we can be more like him. It's very hard to be like someone that you don't know anything about. You look at those uh, comedians and others who they can impersonate somebody. Okay? Uh, this week, no, it was today. Today, someone in my office said, hey, you can go watch that movie on Elvis? What movie? And they told me all about it. But Tom Hanks is going to be playing the colonel. The colonel was the uh, uh, producer, manager, or whatever of Elvis. But the person was telling me, uh, Tom Hanks spent hundreds of hours researching who the colonel was, watching films of him, listening to how he talked, how he, so he could capture his mannerisms and that, so he could act like him. He did the same thing in Forrest Gump. He looked at the colonel. No. <laughs> he did that in many of his movies. Uh, the great movies they did. He, he does all this research to capture the mannerisms, the acting, the voice inflections. All of this. Why? So that when he is acting like them, it is believable. And yet, you and me, who will sit here tonight and say, I am saved by Christ. And I want to be like him. And I know that the word of God says I'm to be transformed into his image. I'm, I'm supposed to be molded like him. We spend zero amount of time looking to see who he is, how he acts, what he talks like, how he responds to people. So then what we do is we try to work on the outside. Well, I'll make myself look like I'll wear a suit and tie. I don't know if you notice, Jesus never wore a suit and tie. Just saying. They didn't have them back then. He never wore pants. Just in case. <laughs> so if we get too carried away, we should start walking around in turbans and whatever and old gowns. But God wants to be transformed on the inside. And the reason behind us, we're not to conform to the world, to their way of thinking, their philosophy. Our philosophy, our way of thinking should be, what does God say? What does the word say? That's what I want to be like. Why? Because I want to adopt the way he thinks. What's important to God? That's what I want to focus on is important to me. And we do that by transformation. That means from the inside out. I've got to put more of the word of God in. I have to spend more time studying. I have to spend more time in prayer. You know, there was a, a book that was written back around the turn of the century, I think it was, called Eternal, yeah, last century. Uh, what would Jesus do? And a lot of people made fun of that. If you ever read the book, it's very convicting. 
How many of you, have you ever read the book, anybody here? If you get a chance, get a copy. It's not that long. It's probably 150 pages, 200 pages. And the short of it is, there's a town, and there's a pastor preaching, and he's going through the normal, I've got my best singer, this girl singing all this, singing the special. Uh, she could sing opera. Matter of fact, they've asked her to come sing in opera, be a famous singer somewhere. She sings our special. The choir practices two or three times a week to make sure they get it perfect. His sermon notes are all written out. It's all perfect. And he's in the middle of a sermon. And through the back door, so this was in the 30s because it was written during the time of the Depression. A man comes in and he's a bum. He's a hobo. He has nothing. And he comes down the middle aisle, comes up there and say, who is Jesus? And you're like, well, you know, he's the Savior. And they're like, yes, but uh, I, I, I've never seen anybody who acts like Jesus. And I want to know who Jesus is. And some of the ushers get up and they want to take him out. And he faints there. They try to revive him. He ends up dying. And the pastor leaves that night and he gets convicted over this man saying, I want to know who Jesus is, but I've never seen a Christian who acts like him. And so he starts asking himself, am I a true Christian? That when people see me, does it help them think of Christ? And so he starts asking others and they start saying, well, you're very spiritual, you're very dignified, you always dress proper. Well, that's all good, but that doesn't make you like Christ. So he gets convicted and he, he announces the next week he doesn't even do a sermon because he's so convicted. He gets up and says, look, we're not doing more singing or anything. Here's the problem. He lays it out, presents it. I'm going to meet uh, in, in an hour downstairs. They had a downstairs like ours. And we're going to meet down there and we're going to start a club. We're going to take a youth to say, what would Jesus do? And start looking at what does it mean to be like Jesus? I'll be preaching next week. Don't worry. And they do. And they get a group of people, businessmen and others, that commit that for one year, they will not make any decision, any major decision, without first asking the question, what would Jesus do? And then pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do that you would do if you were in my shoes? And then they would pray and they would read the Bible. And they would not make a decision for, I think it was like a week or something, as they continue to do that. And as the book goes through, it starts transforming their lives. And the reason they transform is because they get more into the Word of God. And they start building something in here that starts manifesting itself outward. Because they were doing good with the show. But there was nothing going on inside. There's a businessman. He owns a newspaper. Very successful, very good. But he runs ads for all the liquor stores in town and the saloons. And they're his uh, number one source of income is those ads from the liquor stores and from the saloons. We call them bars now, from the bars. And he had mentioned to all of his employees, yeah, I'm doing this thing and that. And one of his employees, not even a Christian, came in and said, hey, are we running this ad? He goes, yeah, it's a full-page ad. They're paying lots of money for that. You got to put it in. He goes, oh, well, I, you said that you're a Christian and that you're not doing anything unless Jesus would do it. He goes, would Jesus really run ads for some bar, or some liquor store, whatever it was for? 
And the guy says, hey, shut up. You know what you're doing. You've got to make money in a business. You... But when he left, he got convicted. Why? Because he committed to his core value. Whatever Jesus would do is what I would do. But it wasn't just a slogan. It became a way to evaluate my decisions every day. And that's what this verse is talking about here when it says, be ye transformed by the renewing of the spirit of your mind. I'm not going to follow the way the world thinks on how to make a decision. I'm going to follow the way the, the Lord thinks in making the decision. I'm going to start looking at his word and make my decisions. I won't ruin the book for you, but they go through a whole bunch of stuff. All, every one of those characters. There are some that give up and say, forget this, I can't live that way. I just want to go back to going to church and not being bothered with it. There's others whose whole lives change. I'll mention one more. The lady that was a singer. She had, a, um, they had given her a job to go somewhere to New York at the opera or whatever it was, someplace there, pay her tons of money. But while that week was going on and she was praying, Lord, what would you do? You gave me this voice. Is that what you want me to use the voice for? I can be a good testimony you hear basketball players all the time. I can be a good testimony for Christ. You know, I'll have a world stage. Well, during that time while she's praying, there's a revival going on. Someone brings in a tent revival, leading people to Christ, and their singer gets sick. And they're looking around. They find this church. They say, hey, they contact her. Will you come sing our invitations for us? Will you come be the singer? And she starts doing that, and every night for the week, she's there singing the invitation and seeing people come to accept Christ. And she's convicted and makes a decision, I'm not going to pursue worldly success when God has given me this, and I can use it for his glory to reach others, to move them to his word. So tonight, I want to ask you, are you transformed? Are you conforming to the way the world thinks and judges and makes decisions? Or are you conforming to the way the Lord makes decisions? The way he wants us to make decisions according to his word. Are we trying to be more like everybody else? Or are we trying to be like Christ? You see, because the end of this, it says, why, why do we do this? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The reason I want to be transformed, the reason I'm going to go through all this effort, the reason I'm not going to conform to the world and be transformed into the image of Christ and be like Christ, is not for success. It's not for applause. Oh, you're so spiritual. The purpose of it is for the glory of God so that I can prove His perfect will. What does that mean? He transformed me. It becomes evident in the way I live, the way I make the decisions, how I talk, what I go, where I do, everything. And anyone in the world can see that and say, why is he so different than he was before? Because it proves the perfect will of God, which is what? That all should be saved. That all should be transformed into the image of his son. And it proves it. It works. One of the sad things today is there are many who come to accept Christ as their Savior today and five years down the road, they're no different. If they didn't tell you you were a Christian, you wouldn't even know it. The 
Pastor Workson had a story. He talked about going to this one guy who was coming to our church, and he asked, you come by my work, come by my work. And he went by his, his work, and they, he started interviewing him. Yeah, this is my pastor. And his co-workers, your pastor? Yeah, my pastor at First Baptist Church. They go, I didn't know you went to church. You see, it's not about whether you're showing up here. It's whether you're showing up here in the heart. It's not about coming to this building. It's about coming to the word of God and before God. And that doesn't mean you skip out on church. You come here so God can deliver a message and the Holy Spirit can work on your heart and you can be strengthened by a fellow believers. But if we're not changed... If we're not transfigured, when Christ was transfigured on the mountain, it wasn't like, hey, John, did he change? I'm not really sure. Peter, what do you think? Is he different? It's obvious. And the transformation for you and me from being unsaved to being saved should be obvious to the world. At the very least, it should be obvious to those who are around us day in and day out. If I lost 100 pounds tomorrow, you might notice it. If I gained 100 pounds tomorrow, we'll bring Brother Miller because he brought fudge in. There should be a difference. And that's what this verse is talking about. I'm not to be conformed to the world's way of thinking. Their maxims, their principles, their philosophy, their way of making decisions. I'm to be transformed and conformed into the image of Christ. His maxims, his principles, his way of thinking, his way of making decisions. And just one of those decisions we, we all know is when he was in the garden. The night of, when they were going to come arrest him, the night before he was crucified. And he was like praying and it said the sweat was like drops of blood. Just pouring off of him. And it was Lord, if it's, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But not my will, thy will be done. That's how he made decisions. Is that the way you and I make decisions? It's not my will, but yours. And if you're in my class, it brings us all the way back to what is the core issue for mankind. Am I going to be led, and am I going to follow my emotions, my desires? That's the world. That's the carnal man. That's the man who's not saved. Or am I going to follow and be guided by what God says and his word says? It's really that simple. Which one are we going to be like? This verse is saying, don't be conformed to that, the emotions and your self-desire, your self-will. But be transformed by the word of God and be uh, conformed to the way God thinks. And according to his word. that we might prove his good and perfect will. That when others see it, that's true. It transforms me. Some of you remember when we started our, um, um, I've got what it's called now. It's the thing Eli used to go to all the time. Reformers, thank you. The Reformers analysis. When we first started that, there were people being reached, but we had several men that came in and they'd say, oh, 
you know, I got saved, I got transformed. We had several men that, that that worked on. And you look at their life, you can say, yep, they used to act like that. They act differently now. And because of the way they acted, it affected other people around them. Why? Because there was an obvious difference. Tonight, how are you living? Are we living our day-to-day life saying, I'm a Christian, yep, I go to church, I got a Bible. I believe in God. And James, you go to James, it tells us, yeah, even the devils believe, but they shake in fear. Most humans are, are, they are not even afraid of saying, yeah, I know God. I'm a Christian. You don't act like it. But are we conformed to the world or are we conformed to Christ? Who are you conforming to tonight? The world's way or God's way? Are you conformed to your own emotions and your desires, whoever's best for you? Or are you conformed to the image of Christ and to his word?